Welcome to this modern education podcast that explores learning from the everyday exchange of thoughts and ideas to the theories and practices behind entire systems. Think education is cool? So do we. So we pair two conversations, learn about our guests, then learn from our guests, share your takeaways, and come back for more. You're listening to Think, Pair, Share with me, Audrey Scott. to welcome Dr. Mark Behrens to the podcast. He's a professor of sociology at the University of Notre Dame and has just been appointed director of the university's Institute for Educational Initiatives. Mark is an intellectual leader and an expert on the myriad factors that influence student academic achievement. His research focuses on how school organization and classroom instruction affect student outcomes, paying special attention to underserved students and school reforms designed to improve educational opportunities. His dedication to Vision for and hope in the power of education make him an ideal person to lead the Institute. And I'm excited for our conversation. Congratulations as the new director for the Institute for Educational Initiatives. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm just really grateful um, and honored. I had a chance to run into Provost Marilyn Miranda um, after she did the commencement, which I just thought she was just fabulous. And, and she said, so how do you, how do you like it? You know, and I just said, I love it. I mean, I, I started the best week ever with all the ACE stuff going on this summer and the t-shirt reveal and commencement. Yeah. It, it was amazing to see our teachers and leaders, um, you know, yeah. go through graduation and after this year, are you kidding me? It was just, it, it was moving. I was just moved beyond belief. And then, you know, being sort of at commencement, you see all the people within the Institute are like working their tails off, you know, in, in, in front of us and behind the scenes. And it's like, oh my gosh, these people are incredible. You know, I'm just so, so privileged to be a part of this organization. I'm excited to get going. I'm glad your first uh, week or so has been great and, and sure appreciate you taking time so early in sure. to, to chat with us too. Okay, we'll jump into the fun questions. First, a few rapid fire ones. Bicycle or motorcycle? Bicycle. Oceans or mountains? Oceans. L.A. or New York? L.A. VW bus or slug bug? VW bus. Yes. <laughs> uh, Etch-a-sketch or slinky? Oh, etch-a-sketch. For sure. <laughs> shake, shake, uh, shake. <laughs> excellent. Okay, so that's done with the rapid fire. Oh, that, that was pretty good. Uh, that that right. wasn't, wasn't too hard. You know, and you were very polite with me. Mine were easy. <laughs> no, yours was good. If you had a superhero sidekick, who would it be? See, I told you I'd get one that yeah, was Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anne. <laughs> Perfect answer. So, Perfect answer. Okay, yeah, thank sorry. you. No, no, see, I, do, I knew I knew I could get one I was giving you a couple That's of softballs. That was good. That was good. <laughs> um, you're doing great so far. This seems sort of timely. If you could compete in an Olympic event, which would it be? The 1500 meters. A track. Yeah. So I was a run, I was a runner, still continue to run. Not, well, it's more jog now than run, but um, I was a runner through high school and I love running and I was a long distance guy and I would love to do the 1500 because you got to be really, really fast uh, to run the 1500. They're, those guys and, and women are yes. booking. So it's, uh, it's just so fun to watch. It is fun. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing some of these things. And actually I was a runner too, but I was a, a sprinter. So um, I ah. love to watch, yeah, I love wow. to watch the track and field stuff, but I, I was always like, 
is 400 really a sprint? I feel like that's long for me. <laughs> so it's a sprint for 300 meters and then you just hang on. <laughs> if you could only take one CD, remember CDs, um, on, sure. a cross, yeah. on a cross country road trip, which one would you choose? Oh, Pachelbel's concerto, the concertos that uh, Yo-Yo Ma did on his cello. Nice. I would, I could listen to that forever. That is good road music. Okay, excellent choice. Okay, great. What's a great memory of your best childhood friend? Best childhood friend, that's a good one. So growing up, I loved playing basketball. And um, during the summers, my best friend would come over and we would play for hours and hours and hours. We'd get really competitive <laughs> and push each other. It's like, you push me, that's a foul. It's like, I did not, you charged, it's my ball, <laughs> stuff like that. And we would just do that for hours and we'd fight, but then we'd go and get something to drink and just start laughing about something new. Cause he was, yeah, he was delightful. He was super funny, uh, great sense of humor. I, he was hilarious and I really appreciate that. <laughs> that's awesome. Anyone else in your high school years that you're particularly fond of? Yes, actually, my wife, <laughs> my wife and Primus Barons, who we just celebrated our anniversary. Um, we go way back to high school. She was a year ahead of me. Um, so she was a senior. I was a junior when we met. And it sounds kind of romantic to say you're kind of high school sweethearts. It's not romantic. As my father-in-law, may you rest in peace. It's like you had a rocky road to the altar. And we did. I mean, we, you know, we were children and we had to kind of grow up and be you know, become ourselves. And so we were on again, off again, we were engaged, broke the engagement, and then, uh, you know, finally tied the knot. And, and, and I'm just so grateful for her that she stuck with me and uh, we're in a good place. So that's, that's excellent. Congratulations. And yeah, happy thank anniversary. you. Yeah, 30, 36 years, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do the big 35th, you know, let's go to Italy. You know, it's like, no, we'll watch Italy on our TV inside. <laughs> Maybe okay. someday. The uh, pandemic had other plans for you, but maybe in the future you can still yeah. make it. That's good. Okay, great. Um, I'm actually interested in that that path for you. Um, I think Michigan to Wisconsin through Vanderbilt and then here to Indiana and Notre Dame. Um, yeah. I know that's a big question, but can we get a few snapshots or tell me a little bit about that path? Yeah, you know, I mean, going back to the last question, I mean, when we got back together, it was we were gonna graduate from college. We had broken off our engagement and we were getting back together. A lot of people in our families were like, hmm, not so sure about this. So we were kind of glad to kind of get in that car with a U-Haul and go to Madison, Wisconsin. And cause we were at, we were at peace with it. We, we knew this was the right thing to do. And so, yeah, we went to Madison. Um, we were there for several years. I was eye-opening um, given, you know, I was through faith-based schools from kindergarten through college and it just opened my eyes and it opened my eyes to sort of the injustices in this world and sociology is a good lens to look at those kinds of things. And so, yeah, it was great. We loved our time in Madison. And then I, I got this opportunity at the Rand Corporation. Rand is based in California and LA, but Santa Monica, but I went to their Washington DC office and that was a great opportunity because I like to do research and kind of got into the policy side of it and policy, both kind of from the school level or state level policy, even federal policy, but um, thinking about policies in different ways and how schools are organized. And that was a great, I was like a kid in a candy store because um, there was just some really interesting projects. It was a great time to be there. And then got a call from out of the blue kind of to come to to see if I'd be interested in Vanderbilt and Nashville's a great city I don't think I can afford to live there anymore but it was a great city when we were there 
Um, and that was a great set of colleagues to kind of be in an education school and um, interdisciplinary. And I was sort of, there were several sociologists in my department, but people were from all over the place and doing really interesting work. Um, that kind of got me into the, looking at school choice issues when I was there. And then, then I got a call from Maureen Hallinan, my predecessor at Notre Dame. And if you know Maureen, she was five foot nothing with this red hair and these steely blue eyes. And she just called me on the phone and said, God is calling you to Notre Dame. <laughs> and I'd been in pretty secular organizations at that point, right? So to get a call from Maureen Hallinan like that is like, okay. <laughs> uh, I better listen. <laughs> I better listen. And so it started a long conversation and Rory McVeigh in the sociology department and Tim, of course, Tim Scully was very influential in kind of convincing us to come here. Um, Tim would always bust my chops about how long it took to, for me to say yes, but um, that was great. I mean, it was wonderful to come to the sociology department, be back home in the sociology department and continue to do the kinds of work that I had done. Um, but Notre Dame is also incredible kind of infrastructure um, building kind of place. And I really appreciated being able to direct the Center for Research on Educational Opportunities. So we had very high expectations when we came here because uh, our kids at that, our two youngest were in high school. And uh, that's not easy, of course, but it's exceeded my expectations. We're still close to our kids and they love us. <laughs> In <laughs> retrospect, it worked. I mean, we've lived a lot of different places. It's a lot of mobility, right? And uh, yes. that can be uh, not the best for kids, but we've met some interesting people in interesting places and our kids are kind of better for it, um, according to their words. So we're just very thankful. Yeah. That's good. As long as they're saying that, I mean, that's a win. That's they're saying it today. <laughs> <laughs> just deal with today <laughs> one day at a time one day at a time. okay so much good stuff there so if you don't mind maybe if i pull out a few things sure. um what, what drew you to sociology at the beginning maybe more information than you care but um oh. i'm i'm the six of six kids in my family you know baby classic baby boomer family i'm a tail ender um <laughs> I was, you know, oops, <laughs> we're going to have six one. <laughs> um, they love me very much. And they're yeah. you know, wonderful people. That's um, the story they're sticking with. <laughs> but I, I, I did a lot of observation, quite frankly, in my family and, yeah. and had, had older siblings that kind of planted in me a kind of, they didn't know it at the time, but kind of a sociological perspective. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, going through school, I had a, I had a teacher who I, he was, he's like one of our ace teachers, right? He's like fresh out of college and he was young, but I, you know, I was a kid in high school. He was so cool. I, you know, and just the way he taught and the way he kind of sparked the imagination, he taught sociology and psychology that kind of always in the back of my head and, you know, back to my family, my family was either in business or in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so my going into sociology, my dad to his dying day, never got that. <laughs> he thought I, I was, he could get his head around. He just said I was in social work, which is a very noble profession. So I let him, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, that's great. You know, he was, he was happy about that, but he never really got it. Um, and it was actually my father-in-law who was an academic, um, taught theology and religion. And, uh, you know, he was, he was the mentor on that side of my life. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my dad was great. Um, yeah, but uh, sure. it was, you, you know, that was kind of my family context. So yeah. lots of lots of good material, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for you to study. It <laughs> sounds like it. Well, yeah. Josh, sounds like never a dull moment. So that's that's lovely. I'm a one, I'm one of five, so I I do sort of feel like that. You can't help but sort of be a student of 
life uh, and other people when you're yeah. in that environment. And, yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm middle-aged and my older siblings still treat me like I'm 12. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> um, well, all, all good intentioned, I'm sure. So, yeah. um, okay, great. So that's, that's wonderful. Um, is that in that same breath, is that what drew you to education because you had that person that you could emulate? Yeah, I, I think, well, when I when I was in college, I went to a liberal arts school at Calvin College in Grand Rapids. It's a diverse school now, but it, back when I went, it was more of a dutchy uh, ethnic kind of roots in that school. And so they they were arrogant enough to call themselves Notre Dame North. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but there, I, I, you know, my family was in the ministry and a business and I, you know, I gravitated towards that, but, but it was a liberal arts school. And so um, I could kind of float around it at the end. I just got really interested in education. I really wanted to be a teacher, but I was already a junior at that point. And I thought, well, why not just go on and study education and, you know, socio I love sociology. So I'll just go and study education through sociology. And that's kind of what happened. And I got into the university of Wisconsin and had a great advisor and great mentor and started the whole process. I love Madison. Uh, you're right. Probably a, a departure from what you were used to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, you go to a faith-based school. It's like, you know, you study Karl Marx, but you bring it back to a Christian perspective. So you, you know, can appreciate some of the good, but you know, yeah, you can critique some of the bad. And mm -hmm. it's like, I go to Wisconsin. It's like, there are real neo-Marxists and my office mate, we had, you know, got in on it right in terms of our okay. kind of philosophical grounding and that was so good for me I mean I'm just you know a young person that really had to kind of formulate their own ideas and kind of figure out their moral compass and you know it just it really you know he's still a dear friend to this day and we would go at it <laughs> that's a great so, testament yeah. to you and to and to him that you were able to sort of work through some of those yeah the exposure to all that and just they were dedicated to social justice and all of that and there's something to take take away from that um coming from where we're at so um, yeah. i just found that really helpful well great and maybe and maybe this is part of that question did at some point you feel called to this work was it deeper than a career I've been very privileged in, you know, being able to, the training that I had and, and the early job opportunities that I had. And I look at this as a calling, um, you know, I, I, in terms of the job opportunities I've had, it's just, you know, Ann and I always kind of think and reflect and pray and, you know, try to figure it out to hope, hopefully the call, you know, is clear and some places it hasn't been. You know, I got the call from Maureen Halen in at Notre Dame, but it was a really tough decision for us because of where our kids were at and um, just weren't sure about it. But what, what tipped the scales ultimately? So I, when I started out the Rand Corporation, what I really appreciated about that is they just had an infrastructure to get research done and they could really think about the big complex questions that we have in our society. And they just put resources, you know, statisticians and editors and just everybody down the line to help support really good research. And Vanderbilt had the same thing, um, but it was it was built more on kind of a stovepipe model where Mark Barons would have his thing and you know so and so would have theirs. And 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 I just coming from Rand, it's like this doesn't make sense. We should have like statisticians and project managers that work across and. Um, that just never really happened there. But when Maureen called me, it's like, there's this center at Notre Dame that has a lot of resources from Notre Dame to get research done and, and, and educate and have postdocs. And, and I just, I found that so attractive that it's like, 
it's there already that we can have a statistician economist that supports our work and um, great administrative support and, and other resources that we can bring to bear to further our research. And, and it's just been, it's been great. And, it, you know, it's got faculty members that are associated with it. And that's grown in the last couple of years to hire some just incredible people, incredible scholars that, you know, they're, and they're, New, uh, some of them are newer out of the PhD program. And so those are the scholars of the future that are doing a lot of good work on schools. I didn't have a chance to unfortunately meet Maureen, but um, was she a bit of a mentor figure? Was she influential or inspirational to you in different ways? Actually, she was a mentor to my advisor and mentor. Um, you know, she was just um, so prominent in sociology. She was a president of the American Sociological Association at some point, and her work, her work spanned all kinds of different things. I mean, you know, networks right now are, are very big in sociology. She was one of the first people to kind of think about networks and how peers affect each other in schools and how that's structured by things like ability groups. You know, if you're in the high group versus the low group, you know, you have different sets of peers and you know, and then ability grouping and tracking per se was another big area. And, and just, she did so much in different areas that it was just inspiring. You know, she had very high standards, very high. When I was in graduate school, I presented with a colleague now who's a really prominent sociologist at Berkeley and, and we were kids and we presented this paper and she just undressed us in terms of her criticism. It was like, I have chosen the wrong profession. <laughs> that paper ended up getting published in a very good journal. <laughs> but, you know, Maureen did not suffer fools. Um, she was delightful, had an had a incredible sense of humor. But uh, you better have your act together in front of Maureen Allen because uh, she will, if you don't notice it, she will let you know. So, and, and, I, and the other thing about Maureen that I'll say is that, you know, when I came here, um, her health was failing and it was a neurological kind of condition. I ended up having lunch with her like every other week during that time. And, and that was a different Marine then because, you know, we, we talk about work and sociology and stuff like that, but we really talked about end of life issues and just, you know, pain and suffering and health issues. And, and, you know, it was just a, a privilege to kind of walk on that ground with her and, uh, you know, I'm glad I had that opportunity. Well, she sounds like a wonderful person, and I, I'm, I've been enjoying all the fruits of her labor, um, and so happy oh. to be working alongside the people she handpicked, such as yourself, which oh. has to be, a, if she was that uh, had that high standards, that must have felt pretty good that she she called you personally. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was honored. I, like I said, when when Maureen Hallinan calls you, and you know says God is calling you to Notre Dame, you pause and listen. So I'm glad I did, and I'm glad I got the call. We are too. Um, I can tell just by what you were saying there, though, that you have a lot, that you care a lot. It sounds like she did and you do. Um, you could do so many things. Why do, you, why do you do this? The main reason is because of the people that Ann and I have been associated over the last, you know, over a decade. And I know of no one, uh, no people that are as smart, talented, committed, um, and dedicated to, you know, faith-based education and teaching kids and, and teaching kids who have been underserved, you know, um, for so long. And, it, you know, they're willing to do this. It's about the mission. 
just being around that, it gives me hope. You know, I've studied a lot of different school reforms over the years, and some of them are, have been real clunkers. And that's sort of the long saga of looking at school reforms. There's always something wrong with them and they don't work. But what is going on in this building with all of the ACE programs and all of the research programs, it's just a beautiful thing because the research funnels into the programs that we do. Um, and it has an impact in schools, particularly Catholic schools. Um, and I just think that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful model and the people doing it are just incredible. And so, yeah, that's, that's why I wanted to do this is because of the people. We had a lot of time to kind of think about throwing uh, my name in the um, hat for the director of IEI. And, uh, you know, it was over a year that we had time to think and reflect about that. And um, our prayer was just to make it clear. There's plenty of other people in this building that could be leading this and, and elsewhere. And so we just wanted to make it clear. And from, from where we said, it, you know, it went pretty smooth. I mean, it was a long process, um, but it was a really good process. It was a good process for me professionally to kind of think about where I'm at at this point in my career. I mean, you know, as Anne Lamott would say, I'm in the third third of my <laughs> career and just thinking about that and yeah, just at the end of the day, it was very clear that, you know, we're called to do this and we're grateful and thankful and we'll take it from here, hopefully, you know, because there's just so, so many great people around here to help that happen. So we got a lot of, a lot of good things to look forward to. I also like doing big projects. You know, I love doing big research projects and getting people together and thinking of, you know, about the complex problems that we have. And this has got projects, you know, more than I can even imagine in this, in, in the Institute. So it's just, it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and, and um, that we can do really meaningful work. And I'm really hopeful and just really grateful to the people because there's just such great people here that are doing some spectacular things. Well, thank you. We have lots of good work done and lots of great work to be done. So Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you have this opportunity to sort of look forward. Are there some things that you'd like to continue working on right away or how are you seeing the next bit of time? Yeah, so you know, at the moment I'm new and I, I've been here a long time, but I haven't been in this role. Um, so I, I need to listen and kind of learn what's going on. Um, you know, I've talked to people and I think it's the time is right for, you know, kind of thinking about strategic plans, if you will, you know, what, where, where do we want to be in three to five years and how are we going to know that we got there? And, you know, there's an appetite for that. And this is, this is not some, thing during the search process that came from Mari Lynn that said, you shall do it's it, this is for us, right? We we're ready to, we've been waiting and we're ready to go. So let's, let's kind of think big. Um, and we have the opportunity to do that. Um, so that's, um, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, you know, our ACE programs are incredible. I, I have called them the gems of this university and we need to continue to sustain and strengthen those programs. Um, so that's certainly on the agenda. I think people are on board with that, um, you know, so that, that's part of it. Um, I also think we, you know, we've got a, we've got some really good parts of our organizational culture here, um, you know, given say the three pillars of ACE of, you know, searching for excellence and spiritual growth and community. But like any organization, especially after, you know, last couple of years and the pandemic, you know, we, we've got some healing to do as we kind of come out of this pandemic and, um, I think we can work on that and, and, you know, people, people are hungry for that. So that's, that's something that's a work that never stops. You know, it's not like check that box, you know, culture, 
check. It's that's, you know, we just got to continue to nurture the good side, good sides of our culture. And that's, and then the final thing I'll say is just building up the research side of the, you know, we've got a lot of research centers and, and they're doing great things in terms of using the research to build programs that positively affect kids in Catholic schools, both in the United States and around the world um, and building those up and getting the research done to be able to further those programs. And so those are the things initially that, you know, are on the agenda, I think. And then we'll go through this strategic planning process and there's going to be 10 other things, you know, that, (laughs) or whatever it is that, you know, we can kind of think about and set priorities and then get to work and uh, go accomplish those goals. So that's my hope. I like your hope. I'm hopeful too, just in those same ways. That's, that's a great framework. You said you've seen a lot of challenges and some things that do and don't work. Yeah. I I've kind of come to the point in my career. It's like, we've got these slogans in the research world, you know, particularly from the U S department of ed, which I like, you know, what works, you know, we really need to amp up the quality of education research, which we've done over the last 20 years. And we really got to think about what works for schools or school systems. And I like that, but, you know, certainly we've moved to like what works under what conditions and for what groups of students. And those are really critical questions, but it's still, you know, prefaced on what works. And I think it's more like what can work, right? So I do right now, the last decade or so, I've done done a lot of work on school choice, mainly around voucher scholarship programs, like the one we have in Indiana or charter schools, right? Um, And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, they can work um, and they can work for all students. um, But we got to think really carefully about the conditions under which they're implemented, you know, both from the policy down to the school level. um, And there's a lot of variation. There's a lot of variation among traditional public schools, among charter schools. There's a lot of variation among Catholic schools. um, And we just got to kind of use that variation that we see to kind of think about how to improve schools across the board. Um, You know, Catholic schools have a lot to teach public schools. Catholic schools are also learning from public schools. And so, you know, that's just, you know, two, two sectors, but I think that can that happens across and we got to think, think uh, more carefully and thoughtfully about that uh, kind of going forward. Cause we always like to pitch horse races like Catholic schools are the best or charter schools are the best or, and I just think we need to move beyond that to really understand the, the organizational instructional conditions that are, are really uh, promoting learning, not just on academic achievement tests, but learning health-wise, emotionally, physically, you know, and academically, which are proxied by test scores, but we got to look at the whole array of outcomes. And I, and I, I mean, I, I love test scores. I, Got a lot of, got a lot of traction out of test scores over my career, but but we do. I think especially coming out of the pandemic, where we we see the disparities that are out there and, and the stress that teachers and students and families have been under, and so we need to kind of broaden the indicators of our educational health moving forward. You know, I hope to I hope to be a part of of that. I like that broaden the indicators. Um, I do think that things have shifted quite a bit from maybe when we were first starting out in school. Um, do you like the trajectory? Where would you like to see it go? I mean, I think at the end of the day, I can tell you're so sincere and you've worked so hard and you will continue to do so. Let's say when it's all said and done, is there a way to say, yes, we have moved this forward. We are doing better for youth. I think uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure how to answer it, quite frankly. 
I think that there are some ways that we have made progress, um, you know, but there's some things that really concern me. I think we've become much more, at least in the United States, we've become much more individualistic. Um, we, not sure we had a lot of it, but we've kind of, our sense of the common good um, to our fellow human beings, um, that's, a, that's a real challenge as we get into this kind of partisan um, kind of world that's just gotten worse over time that we just, we kind of go to our own little groups and we're happy in that and we're happy with our own individual lives within that. But once you get outside of that, it's really hard to kind of build community um, across communities in a local setting all the way up to this entire country. And I, that's a real concern for me. Um, and it's a concern for the students in our schools um, and what they're being taught. Um, and I, I, you know, that's a challenge going forward. It kind of reminds me of that conversation you had with your person at Wisconsin, where you were not really on the same page, but right, you were still right. able to have um, fruitful conversations, right? Maybe difficult, right. But fruitful conversations. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, that seems really hopeful to me. Um, and I feel like um, with the dedication and the folks here in the Institute and at ACE, um, that people are willing to have those difficult conversations. People are willing to do the hard work. Yes. Do you feel yeah. that way? Yeah, we're, we're so well positioned here at ACE. Um, you know, like what I was saying about the polarization society. I mean, what draws us together here within ACE and the Institute um, are not our politics. It's our faith, right? And, and, you know, the dedication to the mission of the Institute. And that transcends a lot of things where you can have some deep and meaningful conversations you can gather evidence and you can plan programs and you can monitor those programs and to make sure that those programs are having an impact on students, teachers, and schools. And, you know, we can do that here and we're really good at it. Um, we're, these are some of the best educators I have ever seen. And if you look at, you know, evaluation scores of our teachers, they're off the charts. We have the research side of it that propels the programmatic side of it. But then we have educators that are just teaching so many people from leaders down to teachers, down to students. And there are incredible opportunities uh, within that. And there are lessons to be learned across the world from what we do in the Institute. And that's my hope is that we've got to get that word out. We've got to continue to learn from others, but we've got to continue to develop that because that's what gives hope. And that's what can propel us forward. And that's what will ultimately build community because um, there's one thing that the Institute's good at is community um, and, and being intentional about that. And we need to teach other people about that. Um, and we have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Lead by example. I think yeah. um, I just have been continually inspired by the people around us here. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to just keep taking those next steps and right. you know, doing it together. Because you have worked in the university for, for some time, but not necessarily just inside our building. Are there things you want us to maybe be more aware of or of, of ways we can fit inside the university or make what we're working on more helpful or visible to folks? Yeah, I, I think I think there are. I, I, you know, I think we're at a point. I mean, we're we're a large organization, right? I mean, and we start, I mean, you know, 25, 30 years ago that we were very, very small. Um, and so there's advantages of that, but as, as we grow, we've got to kind of think about how we're reaching out to people. Um, Cause like, like anywhere organizations, people are doing their own thing and just got to have to break us out of that to kind of 
think across campus and the opportunities that exist. I think um, Mari Lynn is, wants to see more of that across the university. And I think we're well positioned uh, to be able to do that with the people we have here. Um, we're very collaborative people. We, we love working with other people, but we're also in the space of education. And going forward, education in this country and in this world is critical. Um, we, it's been critical to date, but the disparities we have have just been exacerbated by the pandemic. And we've got a lot of challenges. You know, we're kind of in a bubble here at Notre Dame with our testing, vaccines, distancing, washing hands, and, you know, but we've been va vaccinated, right? And, and I've got colleagues around the world that they won't see a vaccine until the end of the calendar year, but, you know, and, and things are just, you know, shut down. Fortunately, they're safe. But I mean, there's places in this world that have, have been really um, struck by this pandemic and educationally and absolutely around the world has just taken a huge hit. And so we, you know, we have programs both domestically and internationally um, that we, we kind of need to up our game across campus to kind of think about new ways that we can have an influence across the world. Because we have a world network too here at Notre Dame and, and to be able to facilitate positive, positive programs um, in different places is, is a, one of Notre Dame's strengths. So we really have to draw on that. And we, the Institute is good at it and, you know, would say great at it, but we can learn from people across this university who have been doing this as well and like to encourage that where it's appropriate. Sounds great. Research. How critical is research to moving the needle forward for education? I think research is just critical for education. I mean, so much in education is just implementing things and doing things because they've been done before or you know, not very thoughtful. If somebody down the street is doing it and not all that's bad, but research can really inform what we're doing, right? So I think about Catholic schools. I've done a lot of work on Catholic schools and Catholic school um, education, you know, done quantitative analysis and the research. And it's like Catholic schools um, have been really beneficial for a lot of kids. And but when we think about, say, test scores, proxies for learning, um, high schools do really, really well. Catholic schools, Catholic high schools for a long, long time have had positive effects on, you know, graduation and college attainment, particularly four-year colleges. But research over the last 15 or plus years has, has indicated that some of our K-8 Catholic schools are facing really great challenges in terms of, particularly, say, in mathematics achievement. Um, you know, there's been national studies. Some of the work I've done in, in uh, Indiana has just shown these negative effects in mathematics. And it's like, well, you know, maybe that's because uh, Catholic schools have not been under no child behind and not really held accountable. And so these are low stakes tests. And so they don't take them seriously. There may be some truth to that. But I also think that, you know, our Catholic schools need to kind of think about it more um, in terms of the instruction, because, you know, particularly in mathematics, um, Catholic schools are notorious for having teachers teach outside of their field and, and uh, need, a, need a lot of help with that. Well, we've got, we've got programs in place here. You know, I think of the STEM center, math education is, is what they do. And so they know how to bring coaches in and think about curriculum and instruction to really amp up and help schools support their mathematics instruction. And that's a beautiful thing, but that's, that's research informing programs and practice. And so that's one of many, many different things, not just to point out one at the expense of others. There's, there's so many programs like that within the Institute 
where we can think about research informing the programs. Another example is Neil Boothby's group in the you know, Global Center for the Whole Child. He was on a previous podcast, right? But he's, he's using research to inform programs in places like Haiti. You know, we've, we've got, got a great track record in Haiti in terms of the literacy programs, but we also know that, you know, water and food is also an issue for these, these young children in the, in the Catholic schools there. And so he's able to kind of run experiments around different things around that, which is research, really rigorous research informing practices to see what the right mix might be between you know, literacy, food distribution, clean water, other issues that are just critical moving forward. So that's where rigorous research is informing programs and practice. Again, We've got other models in the Institute that kind of work along those lines where they're drawing on the best practices from what we know in the research literature to inform their programs. And um, we're doing that. I think we need to support that even more in the Institute going forward so that our programs can get even better. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm really excited about that, um, that people, people are doing it and it's, it, uh, they have a lot to teach the rest of us about how to do it better. I love that research informing practice. Yeah. Well, in addition to just doing the research mm -hmm. informing that, I just think communicating that, you know, both within the Institute, within Notre Dame, but more importantly, outside, because I, I've done some work research in Haiti early on when that, with that program. And there's been so much money that has been put into Haiti to try to do good. And a lot of that research around it, uh, these reports or, um, not to say that reports are, you know, bad, but to be, you know, the Haiti group, you know, we're able to kind of use the research they did there to get published in a peer-reviewed journal, you know, a really good journal. That has just propelled further funding because people want to fund stuff that really has an impact. And so we really have to show what we do has an impact on teachers and schools and students. And, and uh, you know, there's, Again, there's models within the Institute that follow that, and we just need more of that, and we need to communicate that to the outside world to show what Notre Dame is doing. You don't have to convince me that communication is good. Yeah. <laughs> A little shout out to uh, Audrey over there. No, but it's true. I mean, we, we, yeah. we you know, no. I just think communications is key for some of the stuff that we're doing. So I agree. Well done, you. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. Um, okay, thank you so much. Um, actually, you, you mentioned the mission of Catholic education in general. Can you talk to me about um, why that's valuable to you? I think the mission of Catholic education is important because Catholic schools take their mission seriously. Every, every school's got a mission. Uh, traditional public schools do too. But traditional public schools over the last 15 years for sure have been under strong accountability um, you know, certainly no child left behind where I remember working with principals in, in, in Nashville. Um, we had this program there and, and they said, I don't know what my mission, because we would start with a mission. Like, what's the mission of your school? And how, how are you accomplishing that mission? What data do you have? What data do you need? And I remember principals just saying, just tell me what my mission is. Because they were just under the thumb of accountability that they couldn't even really feel like they had the freedom to think about their mission. So that, that's just one example. There's okay. plenty of schools in Nashville that have great missions and all of that. But, but it, that was striking to me, right? Whereas in, you know, we did the same kind of program in, in private schools or charter schools. The private schools, those principals could recite their mission verbatim without missing a beat. And 
you know, it just is striking to me, right? So back to the mission of, of Catholic schools, it's critical. And, and what, what I appreciate about so many of the mission statements of, of Catholic schools is that they're not just about achievement scores. Uh, they're about the whole child. Around here, we talk about, you know, college and heaven, right? And, you know, a lot of schools are about that, but it, it's, a, it's a more holistic view of the child. And, you know, it certainly wants students to learn. Catholic schools historically have been really good at that. You know, and it also opens us up to the, the faith-based side of, of students' lives, but it's, it's about the whole child. So it's their social, emotional learning their physical and mental health, which is so critical right now. And, and so the opportunities with Catholic school mission statements, it positions us so well to address educating the whole child, but it positions us so well to do that now coming out of the pandemic. Catholic schools did pretty well in that. They stayed open. So um, that's critical. I know that you're hopeful. I can just tell it and everything you've been talking about and, and the, what you're looking to the future for. Um, what are you most grateful for right now in the landscape of education? I am grateful that we're coming out of the pandemic. I mean, the United States, the United States lost a lot of people. I mean, that, that, that was made me so sad and I continue to be sad about that. But we are getting on board with vaccines and coming out of it. And certainly Notre Dame is. Um, and it it just gives me hope. I mean, to be able to be the first time I was able to be even outside without a mask on to see people was just an extraordinary moment of joy, I, for lack of a better word. And I think about the Institute, you know, the teachers getting through the spring of 2020. And then we went through a summer last year, which is, you know, really difficult, but we did it. And then, you know, these teachers and leaders going back into their schools this past year and dealing with all of the uncertainty, but now we're, you know, in a summer here, we've gathered. I mean, I haven't done that in months and months. It just gives me great hope going into the next year, both for the Institute and ACE and, and the people in our programs that, you know, we can get back to work and we're ready to do it. And, you know, we're, we're, we're excited to do it. And it's, it's just kind of a joyful moment to be able to have that privilege to do that in our, in our schools. Thank you so much. I, I think that there's a spirit or an energy inside, not not only all of the people that work here, but these teachers who, who are face to face with these students and are that direct conduit sort of to them. Yeah, I, I just think that you know effective teachers really build relationships with students. I, I look at that in my own teaching. It's like you got to know your content, obviously. And, you know, and the more content you can kind of communicate to students is great, but you got to be able to know your students and develop relationships. I see that among our ACE teachers. I see that among the people teaching our ACE teachers. You know, they're just really effective at getting students to care about their kids and build relationships with them because then they can work with the content to reach all of them, right? And so I just really appreciate that. Our teachers are extraordinary. I mean, these teachers could be doing anything. I mean, a lot of them started out in med school or business school and are now in our Catholic schools across the country, you know, and their parents are supporting them in that. I mean, that's a, that's a huge service to be able to do that. So we're getting this incredible talent with this incredible dedication, this love of our students. I mean, that's a recipe for success for sure. Now, some of those teachers are coming back after their first year and it's a, an existential crisis because you know, they haven't failed in their life. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's the thing about coming back to Notre Dame and kind of refilling the gas tank and, and 
you know, and our teachers are ready to do that. And I just think, especially after this last year, um, I just think it's extraordinary that, that, you know, it's a spirit of hope and um, kind of the love that our teachers have of their students. And, and that's just so critical and effective teaching. And we are all hopeful to be on this journey with you too and, yeah, and looking thanks. forward. Thanks, so Audrey. Thank you so yeah, much yeah. for your time today. Yeah, I hope it was helpful if we can string some words together. Oh, oh, oh my gosh, no, it was so lovely. Really enjoyed oh, it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. And thank you all for joining us for Think, Pair, Share. If you enjoyed this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Check out our website at iei.nd.edu forward slash media for this and other goodies. Thanks for listening. And for now, off we go.